Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We started a, a new series this month, and it's, a, it's called the Hope Series, but the, the subtitle to our series is The Bloody Cross and the Empty Tomb. And for, for Easter, we, we often paint uh, this, this time of the year with so many vibrant colors and festivities that we forget how violent of a scene Easter really was. With, uh, with this subtitle of the Bloody Cross and the Empty Tomb, I want this month to educate us and remind us of how aggressive God's love and actions are for us. We get so passive in our worship over the months and over the year that we seemingly forget the passion of the cross. We slowly, slowly desensitize ourselves throughout the year. This month, I want us to scrape away the pretty colors, all of the gloss, and I want us to knock on our hearts so that we can come back to this love and this pursuit of God through the remembrance of the cross and the tomb. And today's message, I want us to start with a question, and that is, do you ever see a darker side to yourself? Do you ever see a darker side to yourself? And I want to read you all this, this verse in Genesis. It's Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. And this is God talking to Cain. He says, why are you so angry? Look at your neighbor and say, why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? <laughs> the Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? In other words, why do you look so sad? You'll be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. You know, today's message is uncover what's buried. And I feel like God has been really taking me through a time of, of seeing the shadows in, in my life. Realizing that we all have shadows that kind of follow us around. And you know, when we say shadow, it, it seems kind of vague, but... It's those, those dark moments of ourselves that come out when we least expect it. It's almost like those dark parts of our lives that are just always following us around. And we see it most clearly when we get closer to God, when we're in God's light. It's like when we're in the dark, we never even notice that shadow of ourselves. But now that we're in God's light, we're like, oh, dang, I didn't even know I was that bad. <laughs> I didn't even know that I had an anger problem. I didn't even know that I had this kind of addiction. And these dark parts of ourselves are lurking and looking for an opportunity to consume us. It's the moments that are building up to an outbreak. It's like you almost, you ever feel like you've been really good. And you feel like, man, I just feel like I'm going to mess up soon. <laughs> it's just like just all these little moments just building up, building up, building up. And then there's also the moments that come when we just least expect it. Those moments where you feel like, man, I've been good. I've been doing, I'm strong. I've been good in my faith. And all of a sudden, bam, I feel like that shadow just came out of nowhere. 
And you're like, man, why was I that angry when that person cut me off? And these shadows, they appear during the normal light of day. It seems like all of life is just passing by like normal. But the shadowy figure that rises up seems like everything else should stop for a moment because this is a dark thing. You feel like life shouldn't just keep passing by. That needs to slow down. These dark parts of ourselves often seem like they put to death the Christ-likeness within us. And today I want us to face those shadows. Some say, ooh. Ooh. You know, the, one of the best people to look at when it comes to these shadows is Moses. Moses. And I want to read y'all uh, this, a short story of Moses. If you don't know, Moses is a person in the times of where the Israelites lived in Egypt. And Joseph had brought all of his family over to Egypt. The Pharaoh loved Joseph. Joseph helped save all of Egypt and surrounding countries from a great famine that lasted over seven years. And all of the Jews at that time were, were honored and respected. But time went on. And there grew up a Pharaoh that did not know Moses, or did not know Joseph, and began to hate the Jews and, and began to oppress them. And the Pharaoh told, uh, pretty much made a law to throw all of the Jewish babies into the Nile River. He wanted to kill all of the, the baby Jews, all the young boys. And so Moses was one person who was destined to die. He was put in, uh, in the river in a little. A makeshift baby carrier. Um, what's that most popular brand of baby carrier? Greco? Ergo. Ergo. He was putting a nice Ergo baby carrier right there in the Nile, floating down the river. And it says that the princess, uh, the Pharaoh's daughter, saw Moses, ended up taking him in, saved his life, and he grew up in the Egyptian household. And he grew up in the palace for 40 years before he ever went into uh, check to see how his own people were doing. And I've always wondered, at what point did Moses realize he didn't fit in? <laughs> at what, what point did he realize, like, wait a minute. We all got different noses here. We all got different features. What's going on? At what point did the princess tell him, I'm not really your mom. I, I, I saved you. All of your family was destined to die, but I saved you. And at what point did he, he just start making all the, the dots connect? Because the point that he goes back to his people is 40 years old. I mean, think about that. That's a long time to not face your past. And it says that this part of the story, when he finally goes down, I don't know if he's been down before, but everyone in Egypt knew about the Jews. It's not like it was a secret, like... He hid under the, all the Jews were hidden under the pyramid basements. And Moses was like, wait, what do y'all got going on down here? No, everyone knew about it. They were all building the pyramids. They were enslaved. And it says, many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews. And he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. I want you to... Let's stop real quick and examine this part. It says that he went, when he had grown up, he went to visit his own people. And he saw how hard they were forced to work. 
During his visit, he saw this Egyptian meeting one of his Hebrews, his fellow Hebrews. Before, it was never one of his own brothers. It was just a person. And see, this is, again, this isn't the first time he's ever seen people beating a Jew. This isn't the first time he's ever seen someone being mistreated. But now he has a personal connection to it. Now he's starting to see himself in those people. He's starting to see what was supposed to be him and this person that was being beaten. See, he has his own heart hidden in the midst of what he's seen. Seen it a hundred times before. He probably even contributed. But now that he knows the truth and he realizes how ruthless his childhood was, all of a sudden he's kind of pissed off. Have you ever noticed when you were a kid, you didn't even realize how bad it was until you were way older? You didn't even know that relatives in your family were committing adultery. You thought they were just friends. You didn't even know that mom or dad were going out and getting crazy lit. You didn't know that dad was cheating on mom. You didn't know any of that. But when you're older, you're like, hey, that kind of makes me mad. That was my childhood you're messing up there. All of a sudden, you start... To get your heart hidden in all the things, all the events that were going on. And so it says that when he saw now his own brother being beaten, after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Let's let's stop there. The first time... I've read that story. I was like, what a good guy. <laughs> helped, helped a brother out, like saw something wrong being done and he did something. We need to be more like Moses. I, I'm going to go out and stop someone from getting beat up right now. But see, Moses has seen people being beat all this time. And it wasn't until he identified with his childhood and this other person that his shadow came out. See, think about this Egyptian that's just, I'm not saying that he's a good guy or anything, but this guy was just doing what has always been done. It's a normal day for him. He has family and kids too. And Moses comes and kills him, not because he just wanted justice to be served, but because he wanted revenge for his childhood. And I want you to think about whatever it is that, that upsets you about your childhood, about your life. And have you ever noticed, maybe it's been an argument with a family member, a spouse, and all of a sudden you get a little too angry. It, it, it doesn't seem to fit the situation or the circumstances. Can I share a quick story? There was one time I was, I was wrong. I know it doesn't make sense. There's one time where me, me, my wife and the kids, we all pulled up back home and we, we were at the park, nice family fun day. And when we got home, my wife, Lauren said, man, I can't wait to make a sandwich. I thought that sounds like a great idea. I'm actually really hungry too. Can you make me a sandwich? Now, that seems like a simple exchange. My wife responded with, 
what? Make your own sandwich. <laughs> Make your own dang sandwich. And I got livid. <laughs> I got so upset. And I just so surprised that she, she didn't want to take care of me. <laughs> that she didn't want to, to, to make me a simple sandwich. And even, she was like, are you really mad about this? And I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> Walking into the house. And I remember even thinking to myself, why am I this upset? I didn't understand why I was so upset because I knew logically there's no reason for me to be this upset. But see, what, what it really did was that simple exchange triggered a part of my childhood. It triggered the, the parts when I was growing up and I felt like I didn't have family to go and sit at dinner and have food to eat. The times where I was stealing cans of ravioli to eat on the street. And I was thinking about that and it made me just so upset because I, when I married my wife, I, I had this idea of creating a family where we always eat together, we always sit down together, we, and it was just, but this was just a sandwich. <laughs> it was like a snack. It wasn't dinner. But I looked at it as so much more than that, not logically, but through the shadow of my heart. See, the, the, your past is almost like pillars that are set up. And you ignore them because they're difficult to deal with. But all of a sudden, something triggers you and those shadows are revealed. Y'all dig what I'm saying? I apologize, by the way. I said, and I explained my heart. I said, it doesn't, I, I should have never got so upset. It just, it triggered me because of this. And we, we made up and made out and everything. It was great. <laughs> and so the point I'm making is when Moses released his anger and his rage right here, it wasn't because of this situation. It's because he became angry at the thought of his childhood being stolen from him. The moment that he realized he wasn't even adopted, that he was stolen. That the moment that he realized that all that he was forced to learn wasn't his own culture, it was a culture forced upon him. And let me finish this story. It says, The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrews men, Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to one who had started the fight. The man replied, Who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking, Everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and he tried and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. When Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down beside a well. And we just talked about how he killed this Egyptian. He hid the body in the sand. And then he tries to go back out the next day. And this time he's like, all right, my bad yesterday. This day, I'm not going to kill nobody. I'm going to be good. I'm going to do one good thing a day. I'm going to help this fight to stop. And because he was triggered in his emotions the day before for his passive revenge, he tried to, we oft, just like him, we try to often justify our shadows and hide it with a seemingly good deed. I want you to think about different shadows that you might have in your, your life, your heart. And just like Moses hid 
not only the body, but he hid his, his good deed to, to hide his revengeful heart. Think about the things that we do that are seemingly good, but deep down our motives are a shadow. I want you to think about even like a simple good thing like serving in church. I've been a part of churches uh, for about 10 years now. And there's, I've been a part of big churches, small churches. And usually whenever there's a big event like cooking or something, there's a lot of people that are serving in the kitchen or serving in the background. And often that's a good thing, right? Like how selfless to serve in, in the back and not have to, you know, you don't, you don't get to go out and talk with everybody because you're in the back serving. You know how many people willingly serve in the back because they really don't want to open themselves up to people? And they use the simple good thing of serving in the back, serving in the media booth, serving in the kitchen to hide themselves from having to connect with another human being. See, that's a good thing, but a big shadow, right? Think about... Uh, a person that's trying to stay extra busy. This is my problem a lot. I often take on too many things uh, that I spread myself too thin. But what if that shadow that's behind that is like, man, I can't believe he, this person's doing so many things. What, even for myself, there's this underlying shadow of a desiring to earn God's love. This, is, this desire to be appreciated or affirmed by somebody else is someone to tell me, Hey, you're doing a good job. And see that, that simple desire is a huge shadow that so many people have that they just keep saying yes to so many things because they're desiring something. Now dig what I'm saying. Or what about a person? Um, uh, let's look at a, a businessman that works so much, takes so many more extra clients because he's trying to stay away from home as much as he can. But when his wife asks him, why can't you just say, I'm, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for the family. But it's really because he can't deal with the responsibility of emotion of being a dad and a husband. It's a lot easier to be responsible over sales or responsible over uh, money or business than it is to be responsible over your family's hearts. And emotions, isn't it? See, we can do so many good things that have big shadows that we're covering up. And I want you to just be honest with yourself. And look at the shadows that you might have. Because just like the dead body hiding in the sand, you're going to trip over it one day. And Moses tried to ignore these shadows that he had. But the problem was that the shadow was obvious not only to, uh, to his soul, but to those around him. You ever know somebody that kind of goes off the handle like when, you least ex- when they least expect it and everybody else knows about it? It's like that one person at work that gets like worked up for nothing and everyone else knows. It's like, oh, that's just how they are. See, often we think that like the shadow that we're covering up that no one really can tell what's going on. But... It is affecting our coworkers. It affects our churches. It affects our families. It's not something that we can just expect to magically go away. We need to deal with these inner things of our hearts. Now look, this thing that Moses dealt with, that was a real thing. He, he does, it, it was not fair, the childhood that he got. 
It was unjust. And you got to know that even though we're talking about these shadows, that you still have the right to be upset. You have the right to be emotional about it. But it can't end there. Because the more that we try to just lock it away and hide it, the more it's going to come up when we least expect it. It it reminds me of this song that I love. It's not written by Johnny Cash, but it's best sung by Johnny Cash. And it's called The Beast and Me. And when I listen to this song, I'm like, dang, (laughs) that's like spot on. Can I read it to y'all? Just some of the lyrics. I won't sing it, so... This is the lyrics of the song. The beast in me is caged by frail and fragile bars, restless by day and by night rants and rages at the stars. God help the beast in me. The beast in me has had to learn to live with pain and how to shelter from the rain. And in the twinkling of an eye might have to be restrained. God help the beast in me. Sometimes it tries to kid me that it's just a teddy bear and even somehow managed to vanish in thin air. And that is when I must beware of the beast in me that everybody knows. They've seen him dressed out in my clothes, patently, patently unclear if it's New York or New Year. God help the beast in me, the beast in me. The reason I love this song is because I feel like it just so excellently portrays the shadows in our hearts. Those those random points of rage and anger, those random points of tears where you don't even know why you're crying. You can't even distinguish why you got so triggered. Sometimes it's even just saying somebody's name or someone might just ask you like, oh, well, why don't you do this? And you start talking about it. And you're like, oh, crap, I almost just cried. <laughs> See, it's this, this beast that's within us that, that we just try to ignore and ignore and ignore, but it's there. And the only way that we can really handle these things is to bring them to God is to bring them to the cross. You know, it, it says that after Pharaoh found out about Moses' little murder, because that's what we like to call our big episodes, like, that was just a little thing. Just a little rage. I, just, I punched the steering wheel. Okay, big deal. <laughs> I left a hole in the wall. It's all right. <laughs> it's just a little thing. It's just a little murder. See, that's the way we, we look over our, our shadows, those dead bodies that are buried in our hearts. It's just, it's just a little drugs. It's not a big deal. I just do it to cope. It's all right. See, we got to bring it to the cross because after Pharaoh found out about it, it said that Moses was forced to run away to Midian. And it says that when he got there, he left everybody he knew and it just says that he went and sat beside a well. I don't know how long he was sitting there. And I don't know geographically how long it took him to walk there. He went by camel. I imagine he'd go by camel just because I, met, I relate camels to Egypt for some reason because of Aladdin. But be that as it may, 
I don't know how long it took him to get there, but all that time, walking, traveling, sitting, he was forced to be by himself. He was forced to think in seclusion. You ever had moments like that? Your phone dies. <laughs> and you, you have to sit there and think. It's horrible. <laughs> your, where does your mind wander after you figure out what you're going to eat? <laughs> what do you start thinking about? Which family member do you start reminiscing about? Which pain do you start going over? And see, this, this point of seclusion forced Moses to think about it and think about it and deal with it. And because he did, it says that Moses spent 40 years in Midian before God spoke to him at the burning bush and called him back to Egypt. And what's really encouraging about that for me is oftentimes when we go to church we hear a message like this. Don't you usually feel like, well, I suck. Like I'm still dealing with this stuff. Like I thought I forgave this person, but I still know that I'm angry at this person. And you feel like it's almost like so many times that after a church message, you're just supposed to be fixed. But it took Moses 40 years to deal with his issues. And so if it takes us a little bit, you don't have to feel bad. But we should... We should be making the effort to bring it to the cross. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And whether it's this, this anger that you just can't get a grip on, if it's an addiction that you can't get a grip on, if it's, if it's just secluding yourself, you just can't connect with another person because you, it's so hard for you to trust somebody. It, it's okay if it's not just fixed in one day. It's okay if it takes you some time. But just keep bringing it to the cross. And one day, there's going to be that burning bush. And the very thing that brought you so much pain, the, the thing that, that confrontation you avoided, all, all of that is going to change when Jesus calls you back. And it says that he calls him back of place of pain and regret in order to turn it a place of deliverance and purpose. Have you ever noticed every meaningful story, it goes back to where the pain started. And it took him some time. But to know that at the end of this story, there was a resolution, that there was healing in Moses' heart. Now, there's a point where he could stop being led by his, his pain he would stop being led by his shadows. His, his anger was no longer controlling him, but now he's being led by God. And with this idea of us going back to the cross, I want us to look at a deeper portrayal of the cross. Last week, we looked and stopped just after Jesus was with the, the Pharisees in the council and they just started beating him. And just right there, we realize how meaningful that beating was, how difficult that beating was. And now I want us to look at the next spot is was after Jesus was taken to Pilate. And it says in John 19 verses one through three it says, then Pilate had Jesus flogged 
with a lead-tipped whip. The, the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. We can just stop at this first. We don't even have to get to the cross yet. And right here it says that they flogged him. That means that they beat him with a lead-tipped whip. Imagine a whip on its own is painful. But these whips, they, they had multiple tassels and they had pieces of metal and bone throughout the whip so that when it would go on somebody's flesh, that would literally rip away their skin. And in Isaiah, it says that by his stripes, we are healed. And see, when you just look at that verse by itself, it, well, that doesn't make sense. By his stripes, we are healed. But what it was referring to is the whips that Jesus took. It says that by every whip he bore, he did it for us. Not only for our physical healing, but the healing of those shadows in our lives. Those deep pains and hurts that is so difficult for us to deal with. This is that Jesus is whipped to bring us healing. And that crown of thorns that they put on his head, it said that these thorns, that they could range from two to three inches long. And so when it pierced his brow and all around his head, all around his scalp, they said that they pushed it in. It wasn't just laying on top, nice and neat, but that they dug it into his, his skull. And I, I imagine the, the thorns, as they start going to the skull, that they're having to form around the skull because the, the wood wasn't strong enough to pierce the bone. And so once it goes in, it's literally digging into the rest of his skin until it exits again. And how painful that that could possibly be. And, you know, it, it's so prophetic of how even in our minds, Jesus was trying to bring about victory. And our thoughts and all those thoughts that keep running and running in our heads. There's so many people that have so many thoughts of anxiety and depression and suicide. Everybody here knows somebody that has struggled with suicide. Or have committed suicide. And see, this crown that Jesus wore is to liberate even our thoughts. And then it says that they put a purple robe on him and began to mock worship, saying, Hail the King of the Jews, and slapped him across his face. See, every, every time that you try to make a difference and you feel like it was, people just laughed at you. The moment that you try to tell your family, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change, I'm going to get clean. And they're like, no, you're not. The, the times that you, you try to turn the cheek and everyone still just expects the worst in you. And you just can't get a chance. You just can't get a chance from others. And see, this is the robe that Jesus wore. This is the mock worship that he bore. That you wouldn't ever have to do that alone. That even when others may see the worst in you, 
God sees gold in you. While others think that all you are is just the shadow, God says, no, that's my child. And I want us to all close our eyes and bow our heads. And I want to read y'all a verse in Isaiah. And as I play some some worship instrumental music in the background, I want y'all to just close your eyes. And I want you to just get focused on this image of Jesus. Being flogged, being whipped. How terrible of a scene it was. How violent it was. And just like we were saying at the beginning of this message, it seems like life is just passing by. Everything is just going as normal. While the Son of God is being beaten, whipped, pierced for us. And it's these moments that we reflect on our shadows that we feel helpless and useless. And everyone here has thought, how could God use me for anything? Look at me. I deal with all these issues. How could I be used for anything good? What would God want to have to do with me? I'm probably his biggest regret. In Isaiah chapter 6, It says it was a year of King Uzziah died and I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then One of the seraphim flew to me with the burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am. Send me. Everyone's head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here and you're at this part of the story where you're saying, God, how could you ever use me? I'm a filthy person. I'm a sinful person. And you're ready to just tell God, here I am. Just as I am. All that I am, send me. I want you, Jesus. If that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to just raise your hand. 
I see your hand. I see your hands. So I want everyone here to, to have a moment of affirmation of their faith. I want you to, to repeat this prayer after me. Because there's so many times where we're following Christ and there's moments where we just feel like we're, we come back to the simplicity of the cross to where it all started and say, God, here I am. I get so distracted with this and that, but Jesus, here I am. And so I want you to just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I am yours. You are mine. You were whipped. You were beaten for me, for my healing. And I surrender to you because I love you. But even more, because you love me. Be the Lord of my life, the Savior to my soul. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross and you rose from the dead. My trust is in you. In Jesus' name. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.